And now the creator of Ren and Stimpy, Bob Camp. Rose and Sarah's alone in Paris, rolls over your neighbor's dog. It's great for a snack, it fits on your back. It's log, log, log. It's log, it's log, it's big, it's heavy as wood. It's log, it's log, it's better than bad, it's good. Everyone wants a log, everyone loves a log. From Blamo. There we go, that's the log song. And you're listening to Sci Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From the B-Listers room and Alien Event Flash Mob facility on sub-level 9, deep in Area 51, hello and welcome to TalkCast 313, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Enjoying pina colada pork rinds? I am the dome. That's the most disgusting snack ever. Although, I did see that in Japan they are now making cantaloupe Oreos, and that's just kind of odd. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Doesn't it, though? Cantaloupe Oreos. And I'm just thinking to myself, odd juxtaposition, but I think I want some. So somebody needs to mail me some of those. Joining the podcast tonight, some of the gang of five is with us. In the Acton TARDIS resurfacing plant, our technical anarchist keyboard-clacking girl genius, Kriana. That's what she said. They did. They said that a lot, actually. From the stacks, stacks of her personal space in the Dank Dungeons Industrial Card Catalog Unfolding and Desalinization Plant, befriending robots because she can is Zombrarian. Hey. Hey, Kriana, can you come out here and get the cat, please? <sighs> <laughs> and at some point tonight, uh, we, we might get a surprise flash mob from... Java, we might not. You never know. Our guest tonight, uh, Jay Morris, old friend of ours. Uh, Jay is here to discuss what's going on in his life and try and keep it away from too much information. Jay, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. How is everybody over there? Uh, we're all suffering from lack of sleep and, and catness, evidently, because there's cats flowing around at the Acton TARDIS resolidization plant. But uh, yeah, things are good. Things are very good. We're starting to move into convention season, and I actually did uh, uh, the Halfway to Granite Con event, which was last Sunday in Concord, New Hampshire. And, you know, it's, it's, that's one of those small little events, and it's... Kriana, you remember that one, right? Oh, she's still playing. What? Remember that first small granite kind of event that we did when, when we started back up? Way back it, in days of yore. Yeah, back, back during the time of steam computers. Um, and we did our very first halfway to granite kind of event. weighed 15 pounds. And it was weird because I remembered that room that we were in well, as being so much larger than it is now. Thank you. Cellular phones <clears throat> flipped open. Yeah, it was it, it was it was interesting going there and and seeing a lot of the vendors that that we know from the bigger shows and a lot of the artists that we know from uh, from shows f all over the place and hi to Karen and hi to Peter Vinton. It was interesting watching Peter Vinton there, not as an artist, but as a basically consumer. <laughs> not seeing him behind a table was very strange. And uh, Nicole Hanchi was there, and she wanted to say hi to everybody, uh, and met a, a couple of new artists. Uh, so, you know, it was a, it's it's always a nice little event and and a nice way to ease into the convention season because 
from this point forward, it's like two-day, three-day events and, and tiring and hotels and driving and uh. But cool, but exhausting. So, Jay, what is new in your life? What is new in my life? Yeah. I gotta, <laughs> well, I have a couple of new books. Um, it's a new you convention do. season. Um, I'm a granddaddy. Yay! Ooh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. How'd that one feel? It's pretty cool. It's pretty Good. cool. You get all the perks and none of the downside. <laughs> because you're the grandparent now. You get to walk out. Here, it's your kid. Yep. Whoa, that smells bad. Here you go. <laughs> so let's talk about your new graphic novel, Autumn Gray Number 1, Troubled Waters. Okay. Um, I was lucky enough to see an advanced copy of, of Autumn Gray. Yep, I was sending and, it to you as I finished each chapter. So every couple of weeks you got another installment. It's creepy. Yeah, it, <laughs> it falls down a very dark hole. I you, remember when you read the first one, you're like, oh, it's so cute. Second one, you're like, ooh, that was a little weird. Third one, you're and like, And the third one, wow. it was, this is really dark and creepy, man. Yeah, it <laughs> takes a hard left halfway through. Not that that's bad. In fact, it's quite good. Uh, and I really like the way your artwork evolved in this one, the way you developed the characters. And it's a really, really, really strong story, which makes it nice as well. Well, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You know, you know, I, I we we had a, a long correspondence as you were putting this together, back and forth, and it was like, I think we were emailing each other at least once a week with stuff on it. But uh, no, it's it's nice, and unfortunately, the Kickstarter isn't going as well as it should have. No, it, it's my first Kickstarter, um, and like anybody who ever does a Kickstarter, hello, been there, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Um, your first Kickstarter can be a little uh, gut wrenching, um, yeah. But I've gotten a lot of good support, not as much as I needed to complete the project. But um, I have another week on the project still. Um, but like I said, the people who who have supported it are very supportive, and I let them all know that there are still going to be books. The project is done. I just was hoping to uh, get crowdfunding for publishing for printing. Are but, you going to have this printed in time for uh, convention season? Um, well, uh, as soon as the Kickstarter is over, I'll be sending it to print. So I should probably have them. I'll have them by the beginning of the summer. So, yes. Beautiful. There's a couple of shows here. No, but once we get into the thick of it, I'll have books. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's that, uh, you know, first of all, the cover alone is just uh, very uh, eye catching. Well, thank you. My, um, David LeBlanc from Action Abstraction Studios is actually the one who did the cover. He, um, he does very impressionistic uh, collage-type superhero work. Yeah. And I've become friends with him. He was actually at my first convention I ever did, which was Free Comic Book Day. We were the only two at this comic book shop. And he actually, we, came, we didn't get along very well that first day. But we've become, we've become good friends because we recognize each other at the next show and then the next one and then the next one. We hang out now. Um, and he was talking about how he would, you know, he does the fine art route and he wanted yeah. to get into, into illustration and comics. And I was like, well, how about doing a cover? So there you go. He did a cover. Quite good. Quite good. So let's talk about some of the conventions that uh, you're going to be at this year. Normally, I see you at two or three of the same conventions every year. Yep. And that's not going to happen this year, unfortunately. No, uh, last year I was bogged down. We had a, a convention every weekend if, or every other weekend if I was lucky. Um, just everywhere. And the big ones were just wearing me out. So I was like, you know what? Most of my artistic time is on my weekends. So I wasn't getting a lot of work done last year. Um, so I decided this year to back off on a lot of shows and focus on uh, getting my books done. And I have a couple art series I'm doing, and I'm doing books for other people. 
So it's going to be more of a a book year than a convention year for me. So um, which conventions are you going to be at this year? Well, this week, the weekend that this audio comes out to the public, I'm going to be at Saratoga Springs at ChaseCon. That's Saratoga Springs, New York. Yeah. Um, I've done exclusive artwork for the show, so I'm one of his featured artists, which is a lot of fun. Nice. Um, I'm going to be doing Vermont later on in the year. Um, I have Lock City Comic Con in Connecticut, which I'm going to do. That's a new show this year. What's the name of that? Lock City, L-O-C-K? Yep, yep Lock City. Okay. <laughs> I shudder to ask where that is. In a jail? <laughs> uh, I can quickly look up the town. I'm not that Yeah, familiar. I'll look it up. Not a problem. If it's where I think it is, it's Canal Locks, not like... See, but I like the idea that it would be in like a penitentiary, penitentiary or something. A penitentiary, yeah. as opposed to a penitentiary. No, I like a penitentiary. That's like a penitentiary and a sanctuary. Penitentiary. Is that yeah. penitentiary of you? <laughs> well, I think I can say that again. Yep, I have that one. Um, I'm doing um, Plastic City, which is a one-day event that's going to be in Massachusetts. Plastic City. Okay, there are all these little... It, yeah. the, you know, it's funny. Um, I have a friend of mine who used to live in Atlanta and has recently moved up to the New England area. And in, in Atlanta, there's one convention. Right. Well, around here, there used to be one Massachusetts convention, one New Hampshire convention. That was about it. <laughs> Man, has it changed? It certainly uh, has. Literally, you can find a small con somewhere virtually every weekend. And I find that the small cons, just because people aren't being pushed like cattle in the aisles, for somebody who has an independent comic, something where you need to talk to people about it, it's such a better show for me. I always do so much better at a show when I can have conversations with people and network. And, you know, it's a lot easier to share when you're not just. Stuffed in a room with 20,000 people. Well, it, it, but it's not just that. It's just that a bunch of the major large cons have fallen into the San Diego syndrome where comics aren't the focus anymore, I, where yes. artists aren't the focus anymore. I mean, how many porn stars can you fit into a booth? Then <laughs> maybe eight. I don't know. But, I mean, it stopped being about art and artists. And right. we're very lucky, I think, in New England that there are two or three or four major shows in the New England area that still really value the the art artist presence. Right. They cling on to it. Yes, they do. And, you know, even though some of them have gotten very expensive, they still focus on the art. Right. And I, I, that that has you know New York has gotten San Diego syndrome without a doubt. And Boston's on its way. Uh, you know what? I don't think so. I think Boston has done a really good job of limiting the amount of special guests. Yeah, that's true. In, in ways that a lot of the other big conventions don't. Right. And I'm I mean, really there's nothing happy. wrong with that for the conventions themselves. I mean, if that's what draws people in and and makes the convention successful, then you know, so be it for the convention. But as far as being the indie artist that's trying to, but it's not a comic con when you do that anymore. No, it's not. It's not really no. So I think you know, for for you to be focusing on on these smaller conventions. You know, that's that's wonderful. And also it gives you time to do the other work that you want to get done. Right, right. Which, I mean, I may end up adding a bunch more shows. You know how the season goes. Somebody goes, oh, you should go to this one. Oh, you should go to that one. Before you know it, you're filling up your... Uh, yeah, how many times do we hear that over the course of the year? Yep. <laughs> Way too often. Yep. 
So you've kind of been splitting your time between your artwork and your novels yes. and graphic novels. Yes, a little bit of everything. So, I mean, I haven't seen any of your artwork lately, but your the graphic novel on Kickstarter is doing, you know, is 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 really really beautiful, and at the same time, you've been working on Sand and Scales for, God, what a year? Yeah, um, I started working on it um, probably the beginning of 2015. So yeah, last year. And then it got put on the shelf with so many other partially done projects um, because you know, commissions come up or you're working on this project with somebody and weeks go by and you lose track of the story, you know. Uh, but then I was able to sit down. We got towards the holiday time and I sat down and I finished writing the whole thing. I was like, then I put it on the shelf again and I'm an artist, so I had to illustrate it. Because that's just what I do. Um, so, I before I forgot the story, I pulled it off the shelf, and I'm like, "That's it. I got to draw the pictures." And I just over, you know, a couple of weeks, I just got all the pictures done, and I'm like, "I got to get this book out there because I'm waiting for the graphic novel to finish, and I need to have something new." So I, I, I was determined to finish this story, and so I did. It's kind of a schizophrenic uh, system that you have. Because you, I'm kind even, of a schizophrenic guy, so you, you kind of are actually, to be honest with you. <laughs> because you know, even when you're writing a straight novel, which Sand and Scales technically is, you can't not throw a couple of graphics here and there. You, you kind of head each chapter with one. Yep, yep. Um, my past book. Which we've talked about before on the show, Illweed. Right. I, had, I think it was about fifty percent pictures and fifty percent novel. Um, but this one, I cut back on the pictures because I'm like, you know, I, I got the words. It's a longer story, so I was like, it's more novel, less pictures, but still pictures. And in the version that I have now, the pictures are in black and white, except yep. of course for the cover. Uh, which, again, is a whole different universe that you've created again. Right. It actually, um, it's the same universe that my past novel, Illweed, takes place in. There are references on occasion to places that were in the other book, but they're both standalone stories. That I was going to say, you don't need to have read one to, to appreciate the other. No, it's got that like Stephen King thing where, where if you've read both of them, you pick up a couple extra things you know so let's talk a little bit about uh sand and scales okay uh, let's talk about uh where this story came from for starters well like most stories that i start it usually starts with a weird dream um and for this one i had this weird dream that i was imprisoned in a desert, which is kind of what happens in the story. Um, and so, like, I felt trapped. So when I woke up, I'm like, I gotta write the story about this person that's trapped. Um, so I uh, just started creating this world where you have a person who's living a carefree life. Her name is Aria. Um, and she lives with her parents. They're, like, upper middle class. They live in a fishing community but they're basically the people that ship all the all the supplies and make make the money for the town um but she's basically had everything handed to her she takes everything for granted um but then they are ambushed on their their voyage with all the materials and she loses everything she loses her family she loses her friends um so she, through painful experiences between being captured, imprisoned, being abused, it gets a little dark. Not not too dark. Not not like Autumn Gray dark. Uh, but well, she, thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she she eventually learns the importance of um, fighting for what's important. 
um, which also in turn teaches her to appreciate what she has. Um, and then, of course, it's got an evil hunter in it, and one of my favorite things, it has a dragon in it. Um, actually, two things I wanted to make sure I had in this book, which I realized I hadn't put in any of my stories yet, uh, were dragons and music. There's a lot of music in this story. I know it's a book. You can't really hear the music, but there's a lot of lyrics. Yeah. A lot of references to music. And, you know, music's always been a big part of uh, my creative process. Uh, I usually create an, a playlist that goes with whatever I'm working on. I might even have a playlist for, like, the angry scenes and then a playlist for the calm scenes. Um, I always have... While you're actually writing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you don't you don't subscribe to the leave me alone in a quiet room and nobody bothers me and it has to be silent. Oh, no. Uh, us schizophrenic people love lots of noise. So <laughs> I, I'm not going to hear the end about you being schizophrenic, am I? Okay. <laughs> I might forget about it. You never know. <laughs> so where where did the illustrations come from? Did the you know did you have them in your mind as you were doing them? Oh, yeah. I mean, as you well, were writing the the book, did you go, you need a picture here? You need a picture there? Well, what basically happens is I can see what's going on better. It's always been a learning curve for me to translate what I see into words. Like a part of me is like, oh, this should be a movie because I can I can see the whole thing happening in my head, and then I'm just trying to explain it in words. So I kind of work in reverse when I write. I'm not. So the, the images are like just specific snapshots along the way, where I'm just like, oh, this is this is a key moment, or this is a good chance to introduce this character, so, so people can see, you know, what this character looks like, as opposed to just a verbal description, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's. A di- everybody clearly has a different process, and and yours is very schizophrenic. Congratulations. <laughs> but, well, thank yeah. you. I think. No, no. Let's stop using that term improperly. Yeah, Thanks. I know. Picky, picky, picky. Not really. No. What term should we be using? Uh, one that's not an actual illness that people actually have. Spontaneous. There we go. That's a very lovely word. Spontaneity is, is clearly not a uh, an illness. Could be a problem, but it's not an illness. So this took about a year, year and a half. Right. Amongst other things that were going on at the same time. So how many times during the course of that year do you put it aside and kind of forget about it? Um, for this one, I think it happened two significant chunks where I had to kind of go back and read it and go, oh, wow, I wrote that. Oh, and that? Okay, that works. <laughs> and what, draw, what draws you back? Is it the sudden realization of, oh, I should be doing this in there? or um, Sometimes that's actually, I'll hear a song or something, and I'm like, oh, this would work good in the scene from that book I was working on. Speaking of that book I was working on, where is that thing? <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time you're working on a graphic novel and you're working on right. art pieces and you're doing commissions and you're doing day jobs and everything else yeah just a little bit of stuff you know so at what point you know I've got like I don't know two or three pieces that I that I work on that I every once in a while I'll look over and go I need to get back to that I have a bookshelf full. I can turn to my right right here and see a whole row of binders and sketchbooks and things, and they all look at me like, don't you love me anymore? (laughs) (laughs) And I look at them all and say, I'll get to each of you when I get to each of you. Well, at at least you don't have a lack of things to to continue on with. No, no, that's not... uh, Lack of things to work on has never been one of my problems. (laughs) So when when you look in the mirror, are you an artist? Are you a writer? Are you a, a graphic novelist? Or do you myself, not? Oh, I was going to say I am a storyteller. That's that's the way I look at myself because I just love to tell stories, whether it's 
through pictures to helping to tell someone else's story, writing a story. I've written stage plays. Um, I just love to tell stories. So what's the difference for you between working for somebody else, being an artist for somebody else's writing, which you've done in the past, and, and uh, working with someone on another project as opposed to doing it, you know, doing a project all on your own. Is there a different approach you take to it? Well, when you obviously when you're working with somebody else, you kind of have to figure them out. You have to kind of put your put your head where you think their head is, because obviously, if somebody can't make a uh, visual, a detailed visual of what they're thinking of, because if they did, they wouldn't have an artist come in. Um, you have to kind of. Sometimes it takes a little while. You have to like draw things a couple times. It's like no, not quite like that, you know. But you know, then there's some people where I just it just clicks right away. I'm like, okay, I get what you're looking for, you know. It's and it's a lot of times it's I'm thinking the same thing. So it, those are the the easiest ones. But yeah, sometimes it's you're fishing for a while with somebody trying to figure out what they're looking for, you know. No, I I very much know. So you've got the book, you've got the graphic novel. Both are coming out over the summer. Well, Scales and Sand is already out. Um, it was released um, two weekends ago at uh, Super Mega Fest. That was the grand release of the book. So it's available now. And where is it available? Um, you can either get it through the website lulu.com, which is L-U-L-U.com, or you can go through my website, which is EdenParkTales.com. Gotcha. And very shortly, uh, the graphic novel will be available as well. Yes. Yep. And that will be available as well through EdenParkTales.com. So Autumn Gray will also be available. And what's on the horizon? What What have you got? Because knowing you as well as I do, uh, you don't spend a lot of time resting. <laughs> no, no. Um, well, I've just started a series of dragon art because I had people actually fighting over the dragon illustrations from Scales and Sand at Super Mega Fest, and it helped me realize that I need to do more dragons. So I'm actually going to do a series of dragons of the seasons, um, and then dragons of the elements, and then of the zodiac. Just going to keep going with some dragons for a little while. Um, obviously, I'm going to move on to the next issue of Autumn Gray. Um, okay, so Autumn Gray, I know you have listed as number one, which right. is Troubled Waters. Uh, which is a collection I, of serials one through five. Right. And there's ten to complete the first, the, the main story. And then there's always further stories I could keep going and keep going, but I'd like to finish the first story, which is Ten serials, so there'll be a number two. <laughs> oh I know. God. Did I make any sense there? <laughs> no, that made total sense in in its own incredibly odd way. That you're at it once again, my friend. Oh, thank you. And 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 that. Yes, works. I'm halfway through Autumn Gray. How's that? Okay, that's actually okay. Okay. And there, I'm guessing, are going to be more books. Uh in the scales and sand series as well. Yep, yep. I'll when I need to take a break from the graphic novels, I'll be sitting down and writing up another fairy tale, I'm sure. Good lord. Well, you know, it's just seriously, it's a shame you don't have enough to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jay Morris, ladies and gentlemen. Uh a wonderful friend of the show, a terrific artist, uh, a a fun writer. Uh I wish he could decide what it is he wanted to do, but he's doing a lot of stuff and it's all really cool. Uh, we'll have links and, and uh, get you pointed in the right direction to check out his stuff and where he's going to be in the coming months. Jay, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Dom. Hey, it's always, it's always a pleasure and it's always fun to see you at a show and I hope we get together soon. But now it's time for the news. That was better than mine.
<clears throat> Go ahead, press the button now. Oh, do I have to? Yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> it was an interestingly weird, slow, and yet not slow news week this week. And I dumped a bunch of stuff into the uh, into the hopper for this week, and then I turned to Zombre and I said, what do you got? And she went, yeah, basically a lot of the same stuff you did. A lot of the same stuff. You know what it is? I think there's news, but most news is holding off because Winter Soldier, or not Winter Soldier, <laughs> Civil War is coming Civil out War, so yeah. soon. Yeah, and everybody was so underwhelmed with Batman versus Silly Man. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see how this goes. I feel like this is going to be the first one, isn't it, where that Josh yes. had absolutely no hand in? Yes, absolutely. And this is the one that I feel like would have been really important to have his hand in. I think he got burned out more than anything else. I think so too, but you know, his strong suit is character yep. and emotion. And this is going to hopefully be a very character and emotion driven story as opposed to, you know, say Ultron, where there is bad guy. Yes. Be Deal with the bad guy. guy. <laughs> things. Yep. Let's what? break some stuff. Let's kill Let's some people. Ask. I mean, which I mean is not to say that Ultron was, you know, awful and I hated it, but, or that. But honestly, it was pretty bad. Well, honestly, it, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, and it, in it some respects, it was kind of good. That's, that's really not a compliment. <laughs> but I don't, I think this story deserves to be more than a fun superhero flick, and I think that we're going to miss Joss's hand in it. Yeah, I you know, just chewing up some cities. I was I was talking to a friend of mine who's like really into uh, superhero movies. I mean, that's one of his things. And he said he he was he was whining about how there are just so many superhero movies, and there are too did, many. Did this the, person's name start with T or K? Neither. Really? Believe it or not. Yeah. For uh, once, uh, neither. Does this per person regularly tell kids to get off his lawn so that he mm. can watch Smallville in peace? Nah, no, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't talked to Illustrator X in a while. I miss his input. But, I do too. But it was interesting because, on the one hand, he was saying that, and on the other hand, he was saying, "But if it's a good story and it's well executed, it doesn't matter. It's a good movie." Right. And I think that's what you know what a lot of these movies that are coming out right now or in the past six months have missed. you got to have a good movie first. Yeah, and you know me. I'm perfectly willing to, you know, look at something and say, you know what? There is, this is not a good film. This is not, you know, there's no, nothing that makes this, phenomenal it's just fun and that's there's okay deep. there's nothing particularly well acted it's just fun and it's cotton candy fun. right the problem now i feel like is is that going to the movies is so expensive that it's definitely part of it for you sure you can't afford to say you know what that was a fun movie i'm glad i saw it no, that's the reason that movies on TV exist now. Right. Because we're not. I'm not going to pay forty-five, fifty dollars to drag the family out to see an okay movie. It's really right. got to be good. Like Gone in sixty seconds. Is that a good movie? No. Not Does really. It no. Obey the laws of physics. No. <laughs> Is it that well acted? No. Oh God, no. Is it believable that Angelina Jolie would make out with Nicolas Cage? 
No. Please, it's dear God, no. It's a fun movie with fast cars and Angelina Jolie and a dog that eats car keys? Yeah. Yes. Yep. It's a, it's a good movie to watch on, on Netflix. Yeah. And but. I think that... I, I actually hope that we start seeing more direct-to-Netflix movies. Well, they're making the, their well, own... It's ser- happening. I mean, like, yeah, that's, it is happening. that's not a question. That is, that is life as we know I mean, it. Some yeah, of them but are I'm hoping actually pretty that we start seeing good. them seeing, like, big-budget direct... You, to- you don't think Fuller House was big-budget? Oh, but it's not a movie. That's a series. I know, but you know what? No one likes movies that much anymore because movies have turned into this bullshit three-hour scenery-crunching lameness, and TV shows have become long-form storytelling. True. Well, just like Jessica Jones has has done very well. They could not have done Jessica Jones as well as they did in three hours. No, absolutely not. And and if you haven't seen season two of Daredevil... Don't watch it. No, no, no. Season one was not good, at least as far as I'm concerned. But season two, significantly better and eminently watchable. Oh, speaking of, I'm going to go off script for a second, Dome. Uh Do we have a script? Well, sort of. Well, not a script, but I'm going to go off of the list, even though I get really bothered when Java does but it. Everybody else does it. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm you? the one in charge of finding the links on the fly as I'm trying to contribute. <laughs> I mean, um, what? Hmm. What? Hmm? Librarian jobs? What? Anyway, so you know how you watched Stitchers because we liked it? Right. And. Then you were like, yeah, that is actually really awesome. Really awesome. Another one where it's not, you know, necessarily amazing, but it's so fun to watch. Um, I I would make a case for it's pretty damn amazing, honestly. It has its amazing moments for damn sure. It does. No question about it. But, you know, it's not, you know what it's not? It's not slick. It's not highbrow. It for sure isn't that. It's not even not highbrow. Do you want to watch not, highbrow like, though? Really? No. I, 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 I'm not the one who's going to sit and watch Downton Abbey. No. Anyway, uh, so the Duchess, Dome, not your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Dome, in return for you watching Stitchers on our recommendation, mm-hmm. we watched, um, I think, the first two episodes of The Man in the High Castle. Oh boy, could I not get through the third. Adriana so got boring. bored. She's easily bored, but I thought it was. I thought it. I think it's very well done, and I'm probably going to go back. They need and watch to actually it. just kill more people. See, that's the thing with Philip K. Dick's writing. It's boring. It's, no, it's an acquired taste. But it really doesn't that. translate well to film. And also, I looked at the book, and, oh, see, and I was gonna the say way that they changed well. it really fucked it over. I'm okay with the way they changed I, it. I, I am not. I think they fundamentally ruined it. Because the whole premise makes a lot more sense when it's a book. A lot more sense. I liked seeing it visually. Okay, seeing even it visually the, even is though, fine. But like the whole, I'm like, what the fuck is he a time traveler? Where does he have this soundstage? It makes no sense. Well, no, it does, but it doesn't because I read the understand. end on Wikipedia, and the yeah. intention makes all the intention behind that book makes a lot more sense the way he did it in the book. But you have to. Understand I understand why the they way. translated it to, to visual media for visual media, but they lost the meaning. They lost some of it. They, okay, and I they, really thought a TARDIS was going to pop out somewhere because this well, guy had to be a time did. traveler to or or interdimensional like sliders type of deal to have footage like that. It doesn't but make sense. Philip K. Dick's original stories are. In some ways, you know, timey-wimey, twisty-wormy, not linear, not making a whole lot that's of okay. sense. If that's okay, if that's what he intended, that, but this is not. When you translate it visually, you leave stuff out, 
and when you leave stuff out, you lose. But they the didn't end. leave stuff out. That's my point. They changed is it. They, is they flipped it on its head, and now the premise doesn't work. But I don't they, care. You have to leave stuff out to do videos because otherwise you'd just be reciting the book. And you can get, you know, George R. R. Martin and his fat flabby face to recite his book and it will be super boring. Okay. But they did the same thing with Blade Runner in leaving an entire thematic aspect of that book completely out. No, you're not listening. They didn't leave it out, is my point. My point is. They changed it they in changed a way. They changed it. And it's fine it to work. change things. Sometimes you need to change things. But they changed it in such a way that the premise is now super confusing if you haven't read the book. And if you had read the book, you're sitting it's there going, it's, it's, that makes no stuff. fucking sense. How right. would he have made that? Okay, yes, anyone can sit down with a pen and write something. I mean, obviously he had more tools than that, you find out at the end. But. Right. Um, not everyone can just come up with the awesome production values that were on that film. No one can. Right. Which is basically what they're like, who the shit did this? The Nazis would have been like, they would have just nuked him. Wait, wait, spoiler alert. No, never mind. What, there are Nazis in the Philip K. Dick book? Is that the spoiler? Uh. I don't feel like it's a spoiler. It's the premise of the story. I don't yeah. think that I don't think a premise point can be spoilered. Probably not. Then again, people get really up in arms about spoilers. You know, so. I mean, it's yeah. fine. Like it's I, I totally anymore, get so. changing things, and I totally get leaving things out. But it seems like the people who are doing it have their heads up their fucking asses, Peter Jackson. <laughs> like, or like the time when or we sometimes see... they expand things for no reason whatsoever no right or like the time when we went to see um, the golden compass in the theater and I made the child cry why did you make that, a kid that was, cry that was cute hon what yeah that was cute it was cute that I made a child yes. cry that's sarcastically cute yeah it it was well, because they ended the movie before the book ends, and it's kind of important to the story that the book ends where it does. Yeah. And I was like, no! He dies! She goes, she goes off to the city in the sky, and the other kid dies! And the kid's like, the kid in front of me is like, he dies? Oh, nice! Yep. Nice! <laughs> you killed the sequel for the kid. Nice going. There is no sequel. That movie was so shitty. I know. The yeah. No, was... I still contend. Visually, it was very, very good. Yeah, but in every and... other way, it wasn't. Yeah. You just need to turn the sound off and watch it. Well, again, and I think, you know... Oh, wait, no. Jay, one... Jay is like, hmm, I'm never giving any of them my stuff ever again. <laughs> <laughs> the... There was one other... Smoothed himself. That movie no. that was good. Which was that they cast Sam Neill as Lee Scoresby. Well, yeah, and that that worked. It was it was cool to watch, but again, uh, you know, the thing with anything you do with Philip K. Dick is that I don't know how you take any of his books or any of his short stories and do justice to them. Maybe honestly. you shouldn't. Then, like, if if you personally can't do it, you shouldn't do it. But I do think, again, Man in the High Castle has more going for it than going against it, but it's an acquired taste. No, I don't know. The book, maybe. The miniseries, fuck that. But clearly, it's not Kriana's taste. It might be Zomberg's. No, it's completely not my taste in literature. It's the opposite of my taste. But the book itself may be worth reading. The miniseries is a piece of garbage. Ah. Well, and, that's and your you're, opinion. You're entitled to garbage, that garbage, but garbage but, nonetheless. That's and your you're opinion. To that opinion, but for other people, it actually is compelling, and I really enjoyed it. And whoever else wants to give it a try is welcome to it. Interesting to add to that is that Blade Runner sequel, which everybody said was never going to happen, Harrison Ford eating oatmeal, is actually going to happen. 
but it's been pushed back another six months. He's going to die. 17. And they're going to be up shit Stop creek. it. Harrison Ford is going to live forever. <laughs> He's going to die, and they're going to be fucked. Yeah, so he walked away from a plane crash. Plane crash. It's true. It's true. Then his leg walking through a door. But still... <laughs> survived a plane crash and walked away from it with a broken ankle no no he broke his ankle walking through a door that's why it's funny yeah he broke his ankle after the plane crash walking through a door on set of the force awakens good lord that's why it's funny they had to write things in and out of the script to accommodate his broken ankle Kind, kind of like they did with mark hamill's face that sounded mean, but it was true. No, it was true. It was absolutely true. Besides, at this point, I don't even think of Mark Hamill as doing that anymore. I think of him as the Joker. He's such a good Joker. He is. He really is. Was he? He has a very soothing narrative voice. Except when he doesn't want it to be soothing, and then it's like, oh God, we're yeah. all going to die. Actually, I really like the casting of Doctor Strange on Gotham. <sighs> on Gotham? Yes. Am I missing that on Gotham? Oh. Hey, yeah, that was watched... the show I watch. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually watched season two at all yet. I was going to kind of... DC Comics finally produced something good. What? No, I watched season one, and I, I really, it after being coerced into it, liked it a lot. But I, I liked watching it as an entire season, so I'm going to do the same thing this summer with season two. I think it's on hiatus. You'll enjoy it. Haven't seen a new episode in a while. No, I think my thing is broken, honestly. Oh. I, I just checked up on it today. I think it's pretty broken. So Our TiVo It, it may office. also be on hiatus, but... Yeah, your TiVo's on hiatus as well. <laughs> yeah. We'll call it a TiVo, sure. Okay. So, if if you enjoyed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure... <laughs> and let's face Jesus it, who didn't? Me? Another movie that's Hi. not necessarily phenomenal, but it's just fun. No? Yes, you haven't ever watched Bill and yes, Ted. Yes, I have, and I don't find it funny. I found it hilarious. That's because you're not as sophisticated as that's me. Because no. I don't, that's because I don't <laughs> smoke pot. They don't have to. They're high on life. That's because you're not as sophisticated as me and Dome. Sure. Peer pressure. Bill and Ted's Bill and Ted Go to Hell, which was Bill and Ted number two, was just horrendous. But I'm not the only one that thinks that. (laughs) It was supposed to be Dante's Inferno, but with Bill and Ted, right? Yeah, it was definitely supposed. See, on the list of things that just really shouldn't happen. That was one of them. Yeah, it was definitely one of them. There's no question about it. Just, when you think these things, you should just kill yourself. Whoever thought of that, kill yourself. Do the world a favor. So, Alex Winter was, uh, and of course we know who Alex Winter was. He was Bill. Uh, And Keanu Reeves have actually gotten together to write Bill and Ted 3. I heard uh, that Keanu Reeves learned how to make an expression, but it was false. I don't know that that actually ever happened. Um, he just kind of twitched. Well, Winter... He had a small seizure and... Or- <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, he's emoting! Alex Winter it was over. got kick-started for his uh, Frank Zappa like document. Disease. Yeah, I know. And... Uh, as he was talking about the Frank Zappa documentary, somebody evidently asked him about Pill and Ted 3, and uh, the rumor got out that it had been greenlit by a studio, which it hasn't, that it had been funded by a studio, which it hasn't, and there was a script, which in fact there isn't, and it's set in the UK, which in fact, no. So... Uh, so basically what we've learned is, there is there's not nothing one. to learn. Right. The, the answer Winter came out I'm so glad we're talking about this. Yeah. We're it's still working on newsworthy. They don't have a green light, and it doesn't take place in the UK. So it's mostly 90% vapor. 
And with that, we're done with our show for tonight. Apparently. <laughs> which is which is 90% vapor, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I feel like we should give it <laughs> on the coming up calendar in the next couple of weeks. Next week, Doug Jones is here to talk about his new movie, Bye Bye Man. Oh, he's not going to talk about I Know, the Doug Jones story? Well, maybe we can get him to talk about that as well. I'm going to start that rumor that he's writing his autobiography. And it's called I Know, the Doug Jones story. On May 5th, Janine Samanoff and Susan Jane Bigelow come in to talk about the insanity that is Kickstarter and their new books. On the 14th, Dan Kane comes in to talk about his new horror book. And on the 21st, Mike Mitchell of Mitchell Comics talks about Zombie Sub 920. <gasps> so excited! Oh, but he's also here to talk about uh, his new comic, The Flight of Freedom 7, with Alan Shepard, and its debut at the Krista McAuliffe Museum in Concord, New Hampshire. And that Hey, will- wait, wait. No one cares about actual astronauts. We've learned this. <laughs> no, one, no one cares. No one actually cares about that? No. Oh, Lord. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Northeast Comic Con, booksandbooze.com and comicarthouse.com visit comicarthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists our intro music production was provided by rob watts find more of his creations at robwattsonline.com our outro music was provided by lawrence made me cry check out more of their grooves on lawrencemademecry.com i want to thank our guest tonight the wonderful and eloquent jay moores for joining us Many thanks to uh, our cast from the Act and Action Time Warp, the Sweetheart of the Soundboard, and our Woman of Words, Kriana and Zombarian. Thank you so much, ladies. I think I speak for everyone here when I say I'll see you in Titusville, Mikey, and troll the respawn, Jeremy. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone.